Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hello and welcome to LiveWire's Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Ali Selby and today we'll be drawing on the expertise of two of the goats of Australian investment management. They'll be helping us cut through all the market noise we're hearing today by providing some of the lessons they've learnt from more than two decades in investment management. And they'll also be naming some of the leadership teams they're really liking today. To do that, we're joined by the wonderful Kath Alfrey from Waystone Capital, as well as Anthony Abood from Perpetual Asset Management. Like all good stories, we're gonna be starting at the very beginning today. Kath, I wanna know, what was the stock that really put you on the map at the start of your career? Well, I had to look after as a young analyst the sort of telco media space and uh, similar to today when you sort of went through this speculative period uh, and there was a lot of pressure at that time to invest in these speculative startups. It was Afterpay more recently, but if you go back 20 years ago, it was the company like OneTel. And I travelled around the world and I looked at the company and I came back and I said, working at Colonial First State at the time, I didn't think that we should invest in it. And the only actual small telco that we invested in at that time was Macquarie Telco, Telecom, which is still alive today and kicking. So I think over a period of time, you just you know, generally learn you know, what makes a company tick. And in that case, uh, it really did put me on the map and it gave me the opportunity uh, eventually to become a portfolio manager. Okay, over to you, Anthony. What was your greatest call early on? I was an analyst at, at, at what, what's UBS now, it used to be called uh, SBC Warburg. Um, and I was covering the gaming sector. One of the companies I covered was Aristocrat. And uh, in about 2002, 2003, it was going through a really tough time. Stock had fallen about 85% down to 90, 90 cents. And it was on the back of bad acquisition. They were going through growing pains, turnover of CEO, and they had some uncollectible debts in, um, in South America. Uh, and so it really, um, Things had got pretty bad. I had a negative call on it then, and then it then it turned, and um, it got professional management in then at that point in time. Paul O'Neill and Simon Kelly uh, became CEO and CFO of the company, and what didn't change the whole time was this is a good industry to be in. There was only four players in the world. They had good games. They were one of the one, one of the top four. There are barriers of entry, and and they just needed to get some professional management in, which kept the entrepreneurship of the business. Uh, but actually managed to add, add more professionalism. And um, they turned it around. And uh, whilst I didn't pick the bottom at 90 cents, I wasn't too far off that. And, um, and the stock was $7 maybe 18 months later. You've worked in the industry for 25 years. Yeah. What was the biggest mistake from oh. that time? When was it and what did you learn from that? Look, plenty of mistakes. Um, probably, you know, um, so, so too many to count. Um, but probably the biggest one was um, McGrath Holdings. I read the prospectus before meeting the management. And after reading the prospectus, I thought, there's no way I'm gonna invest in this. It's just not even interested. Anyway, I went into a, uh, into a meeting with John McGrath, um, who was the founder of the business, and walked out bidding for stock and, and, and buying, exchanging on an apartment. Um, but, uh, no, I didn't exchange on the apartment, but, <laughs> but like, 
but, but we, yeah, we, we, we bid for the stock, it was $2.10. It's never seen $2.10 since. We've obviously sold out long ago, but it's now currently trading at 39 cents. What did I learn from that? A few things. First of all, be wary when you've got good salesmen, salespeople selling you stuff. You know, you just got to take, walk out of the room, respect the fact that someone's a good salesperson, and just make sure you just 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 take a cold shower and and have a really good think about things. Uh, secondly, is is whilst we love founder-led businesses, not all of them work. And, and finally, understand with business models, some business models they might be sustainable businesses, but where do the economics end? Think about stockbroking, you know, stockbroking, real estate agents, or even I'd say, you know, radio or TV media today. The economics is going to end with the talent. It's going to end with the talent rather than the actual uh, you know, in between. And so that's something which I've learned, is understanding whilst an industry might be profitable, where are the economics in it? Kath, mm. you've got four years on Anthony. <laughs> what was the biggest mistake you've made during that time? When was it and what did you learn from it? Well, I made plenty of mistakes like all investors do. And like you say, you really do have to learn your lessons. So for me, I'd go back to September 11. Australia was, was the first stock market to open. Uh, we were under a lot of pressure. Macquarie was doing a placement at the time at $35. Uh, now, we took that placement at $35 and watched the stock fall to $22 uh, over the ensuing period. Now, what did I learn through that time? Uh, never, never take a capital raising from an uh, investment banker without doing a lot of due diligence. And particularly Macquarie are very good at timing the cycle. So when they're raising equity, uh, you know, take a deep breath before you jump back in would be my two big lessons from that time. But yes, it was a painful trade. Markets have obviously changed a lot over your career. Mm. What's the biggest change for you and have you adapted your strategy because of that? Oh, I've been giving some deep thought to this because there's a number of changes. Obviously, interest rates have collapsed. Uh, and so that's the big one through my time in the last you know, 25 years plus. The other big change is the rise of the unlisted market and private equity and their ability to take small companies and grow them. Uh, and so companies are tending to come to the stock exchange later uh, in their life cycle. And when they do, unfortunately, they're perfectly priced. So another lesson uh, out there is when an IPO comes in now, in the old days, it used to be there was always a stag of about 10% that would occur. Whereas now, you know, you get this fully priced IPO with usually one or two bombs in it. They're going to blow up in the next one to two years. So I actually are quite highly sceptical of any private equity uh, listing coming to market. Okay, that's a good lesson for investors. Over to you, Anthony. What's the biggest change you've seen in your career in markets? Yep, I'd say the biggest change I've seen is definitely uh, the shift to passive. Uh, and we've seen this really accelerate in the last sort of you know, five years. What this is, we're seeing especially uh, you know, in, in pension funds and, you know, uh, you know, who, um, who, who are more motivated to get market returns rather than you know, much, much more above or below. And so not as interested in, you know, in, in that sort of you know, high tracking area and really want to get just the lowest fees uh, and, uh, um, and, getting the, um, and just getting market. Um, and that results in a lot of uh, strategies just buying what's already gone up and selling what's already gone down, which you know, doesn't sound like the, the smartest thing, but it seems to, seems to work in momentum style markets. Has it adjust, have we adjusted the, what we, the way we do things? Not really, it's maybe a bit more nuanced that we respect momentum a little bit more. So that might mean dragging your feet a little bit on selling something which has gone up um, and, uh, and respecting 
you know, to, to make sure, yeah, not, not going too early and too big a size when we're, we're looking to buy a position. So it doesn't, hasn't changed, but it's nuanced exactly yeah, yeah, how, we, how we sort of get in and out of a position. You talked before to really over-promotional yeah. leadership. Yes. What makes an awesome leadership today? Can you point to an awesome founder-led company, a yes. founder-led leader yes. and an awesome agency CEO that you really respect today? Yeah. yeah. Even though he's not CEO, he's an executive chairman, on the, on the founder-led, we think Solomon Lewitt Premier does a fantastic job. It's a founder-led company. You know, it's got uh, Smiggle, uh, Peter Alexander, uh, and, and what we feel that what he's bred within the company are two, at least two, maybe three uh, individuals who could be CEOs of, of ASX listed companies. And we think um, it's, it's, an, it's a business which has kept its entrepreneurship, but um, has also um, allowed, allowed people within the company to, to grow. And, uh, and we feel that over time, they will be CEOs of individual companies over, yeah, over time within the Premier Network. So yeah, we, 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 we always find the, these founder-led companies like Premier um, go into a downturn with a lot of cash. And, and they, they will deploy that cash and lean into the market when things are getting tough, whereas a lot of other people are sort of uh, you know, getting away. On the other, uh, on agency style business, well, You'd have to say uh, Matthew Coleman from uh, CBA has done a fantastic job. He, entered, he got into the job at a, quite a tough time. This is right in the back of the Royal Commission into, you know, into the financial, uh, uh, um, uh, financial planning industry. And he got into it when they were all out of favour. Everyone was sort of throwing uh, rotten tomatoes at all these banks. He's done a good job of balancing shareholders and all other stakeholders at the same time. And that's not easy. It's easier said than done. He's balanced you know, the political side, uh, the, the employee side, um, and as well as you know, doing a good job for shareholders. It's, not, it's rare that you get an industry where you get very, very similar businesses, but one business has sort of four, four or five turns PE higher mm. than the other three. And I'm not putting it all down to the CEO currently, but it's a good indication of what the market thinks about him. Okay, over to you, Kath. What's an agency CEO and a founder CEO that you're really liking right now? Okay, so from an agency point of view, I would say Rob Scott from West Farmers. Uh, I think the West Farmers way, in terms of particularly focusing on entrepreneurship at the divisional level, also very strong capital allocation. Uh, over a long period of time, that business has been particularly successful. But what Rob has recently um, done is he's um, invested in healthcare and spent about a billion dollars of capital in the healthcare part. Plus he's uh, stepped out into lithium uh, as well with the Mount Holland mine. And so those two businesses really are two growth industries, healthcare and lithium over the next five to 10 years in Australia. And so if you have a very solid, amazing business in Bunnings and Kmart, and then you combine it with these sort of niche opportunities, Rob's setting West Farmers up for a really good growth trajectory over the next 10 years. Uh, just on the founder side, you know, equally uh, amazing uh, is Greg Goodman. Uh, he started that business in a similar, you know, time frame to us in going into markets uh, 28 years ago. And he's taken it from one shed in South Sydney all the way through now to, you know, 81 properties globally uh, and managing, um, you know, extensive partnerships uh, agreements. So what is exciting uh, about Goodman's uh, is the coming out of results was their data centre opportunity. So not only will they be in industrial uh, sheds globally or logistics, 
they will also be in data centres. And what was fantastic was on the result call, you should listen to it, uh, he was equally as enthusiastic as he would have been 5, 10, 20 years ago about the opportunity and growth ahead for Goodman. Mm, Goodman is truly an Australian success story. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Buy, Hold, Sell as much as I did. If you did, why not give it a like? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're adding so much great content just like this every single week. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.